I want to share with you a Reddit post, uh, a Reddit post that asked Reddit users to list the top 10 pet peeves. Actually, they came up with a hundred, uh, yeah, oh, a hundred, over a hundred, and they ranked them the top pet peeves about people on Reddit. Okay, and so here's what here's what they had to say. Number one, pet peeve: people who are always interrupting. Mm. Number two, people who never shut up and talk over you. Notice how it sounds similar to number one. <laughs> Unflushed, messy public toilets, animal cruelty. Just last week in Jesmond County, we had a man arrested by the Jesmond County Sheriff's Department because he went and took two thoroughbred horses that were, her, that were his that he had not been feeding. The pictures of them, they're emaciated, these once proud stallions, and you can see their rib cages. He let one off at one farm, another one off at another farm, and the sheriff's deputies caught him. And, you know, he's not, and we don't like animal cruelty. People who violate personal space. If you're an introvert, you know, people coming in your bubble, that's, that's no bueno all the time. You're in the bubble. Step back, step back, 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 back. People who don't cover or cough their, their cough or their sneeze. If you're an elementary school teacher, this is your life all the time. Hey, Mrs. Finkelstein, <laughs> uh, you know, okay, you need a shield. If you're an ER nurse, same thing, you know, whoa, turn your head, oh. okay. Rude people, people who chew with their mouth open, people who think their overly annoying child is cute. And Reddit users, <laughs> Reddit users had this to say, when your five-year-old is dropping the F-bomb and calling their mom the B-word, that's not cute, that's annoying. You know, so Reddit users had no end, like, beat the tar out of them, send them to the, you know, send them to Siberia. Like, they didn't hold back in their, you know, contempt or disdain for that. Driving too slow in the fast lane. And then, and then it goes on and on. Uh, when uh, people who copy a really good idea of yours and don't give you credit. Um, talking during the movie, cutting in line, right? Oh, I was at a, I was at a line for returns post-Christmas, and it was a clear line. The line was obvious, and this lady who had to be 70 walked right up to the counter, and everybody in line is like, mm, mm, you know, and I was like, ma'am, on behalf of all the people who are about to kill you, way over there, that's the back of the line. You know, it's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. Okay, murder avoided. Okay, so here's the thing. The reason people grate on us, the reason people stink is because of ego. Uh, I remember an Andy Griffith rep episode where Barney Fife would practice warming up, and his practice for warm-up was, me, 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 they, me, they. Most people sing it the way that they feel it, which is, me, 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 me. <laughs> okay? And they go through life with a lot of ego. Now, on the one hand, it's true, we have low self-esteem. We look in the mirror and we say, oh, I'm fat, I'm stupid, I'm a loser. Like, you know, our self-talk can be very bad. But on the other hand, the Bible is right when it says we think too highly of ourselves. When the Bible says that, it's not saying, it's not talking about self-esteem. It's talking about our fundamental inability to see past the end of our nose. We think too highly of ourselves. We think we're the center of the universe. That's what the Bible is saying when it says that. In other words, we go through life with this thing, rub my belly and tell me I'm awesome. Come on. Come on, mom and dad. Come on, teacher. Come on, boss. 
Come on, boss man, boss woman, rub my belly, tell me I'm awesome. Let's go. <laughs> Come on, friends. Hey, there are not enough likes on this post. I'm taking it down now. You didn't live up to what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to like, 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 and share, 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 share. Come on. Okay, so we have this tendency. A, and this comes out a myriad number of ways. I'll give you one example. Someone tells a story, and you've got to tell a better one or a funnier one. <laughs> or you're in a group where someone told a story, and then someone else has got to top it, okay? So I want to tell you, so today, for the purposes of today, here's what I want you to know. A lot of the chaos in our relationships is tied to ego. A lot of the chaos in our relationships is tied to ego. It's due to ego. And because we have ego too, in other words, ego's coming at us and steps on us, hurts our feelings, is inconsiderate of us, we tend to respond out of our ego. No, no, no. So our pushback is, no, 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 me, me, daggummit. Okay, so that's, and it gets us in trouble. In other words, when people hurt us, when people step on our toes, when they're inconsiderate to us, our response can either make it better or it can make it worse. And that's today's bottom line in case you, so there you go, when, when, when they discover the center of the universe, a lot of people are going to be disappointed they're not it, okay? You can put that on the back of your car and watch it get rear-ended. Okay, so chaos, chaos in relationships is tied to ego. Wise people know this and are considerate of others. And that's today's bottom line. Wise people know this and are considerate of others. James, who was the brother of Jesus, wrote one of the books in your New Testament. It's called James. They're really inventive about this kind of stuff. You know, you think you'd come up with a better title, but no. Nah, and James wrote this letter to a group of Christians who were uh, they had divisiveness, they had favoritism, uh, they were plagued by the desire for wealth and status, they were intolerant, they just couldn't get along with each other. Um, in fact, one of the things that uh, is true for the group of Christians that James wrote to is that they played favoritism to rich people. If you were rich people and you came into their church meetings, they would go, oh, look at you. Dang, come over here to the good seats. Can I get you a cup of coffee? Would you like anything? And then if you were like poor, they'd be like, sit in the back. And James goes and he rails on them. I mean, he totally beats the snot out of them verbally in this letter. Now, you would think, because this is, is in the Bible, that if Christians committed any sin 2,000 years later, it wouldn't be showing favoritism to rich people? Wrong. <laughs> it still happens all the time everywhere. So James is writing this letter, and if you could summarize it with a phrase, his, his big mantra would be, do it. Be doers of the word. Don't just say, you know, don't just say you love me. Show me. Show me the money. Do it. Um, and so James, in essence, in this letter is saying, hey, Hey, you keep stepping on each other's toes. You keep offending each other. You keep hurting each other. Could you, could you like, not do that, please? And so we're going to look at this passage. And if you brought a paper Bible, we're in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. That's where we're going to be today, one passage. So James 13, verses 13 through 18. And I'll put that, well, maybe I won't. There we go. Boom. So I wanna, I'm going to... I'm going to read this section. We're going to walk through this, and we're going to spend a good amount of time in one verse. I learned something about myself. I, I learned that I have a hard time preaching through the letters in the New Testament because there's so much packed in these little bit, the tiny verses and spaces that it's hard to do a sermon where you say only one thing. 
mean, it's, it's packed in the letters, and then just every other word is something important, okay? So we're going to be in James, James chapter 3. Now, James in this section is making a contrast, and he's contrasting false wisdom, wisdom that when you play this out in relationships, it burns, it hurts. And then he's contrasting that with heavenly wisdom, which brings about peace. Think bunny rabbits and happiness, okay? So not literally, but metaphorically, okay? So, so James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you're wise, there it is, and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and self-ambition, you will find, there's the word, disorder and every kind of evil. So false wisdom brings about chaos in relationships. When you're using false wisdom with people, it's going to bring about chaos. And the key phrase there, jealousy and selfishness. Remember what I talked about, about ego? Me, 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 <laughs> me, 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 hey, they have more. Me, 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 me. <laughs> so jealousy and selfishness speaks to that kind of meanness that's ingrained in all of us. And so he says it's earthly. In other words, it's selfish. It's unspiritual. It's not... The Holy Spirit isn't producing this. It's you that's producing this because you, you want to come out on top. And then it's demonic. In other words, this kind of false wisdom doesn't have its origin from God. Um, so for those of you that are Pentecostal here today, think of a far side comic in which a couple of demons are talking to each other and one of them says, hey, Earl, watch this. And then boom, the marriage fight breaks out. Me, me, me. No, me. <laughs> bark, bark, bark. And that's how it plays out. So false wisdom and true wisdom reveal themselves in relationships. And you can tell which ones at play by the fruit, by what's going on in the relationship. False wisdom creates jealousy, anger, bitterness, favoritism. Does this sound fun? <laughs> True wisdom, heavenly wisdom brings about peace. And James is saying, hey, if you're following Jesus, avoid false wisdom. It burns, okay? So, Verse 17, J James pivots, and he gives us six characteristics of heavenly wisdom. And I'm going to steal from Pastor Rick Warren. He's a pastor in California. He preached a sermon on this about five or six years ago. And he flipped all six of these words, and he turned them into, a wise person never does X in relationships. So I'm going to steal his little handle of these six things a wise person never does in relationships because it burns. Are you getting this? It burns, okay? Some of you have lived it with full ferocity, okay? So the first one is this word pure. So let me read the verse and we'll, we'll unpack it. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows favoritism and is always, no, uh, it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Okay, so let's unpack those, those six, six key words. And the first one is pure, okay? A wise person never compromises 
their integrity. A wise person never compromises his integrity. Pure means uncorrupted, undiluted, untainted. Um, and so the word that we use for that today is this word integrity. The foundation of any relationship is integrity. It's trust. Without trust, you don't have any relationship at all. And trust is built on truth. Okay? If you're in a marriage and you are lying to your wife all the time, she may have a ring on her finger, but you don't have a marriage. If you are lying to your parents all the time, I'm telling you, yes, you're still their kid, but <laughs> there's a lot of trouble with a capital T that's coming, okay? So you, integrity, a wise person keeps their integrity. They do what they, they say they'll do, and you know, they, they walk with that kind of purity, okay? So that's the first characteristic. So when you've got stuff coming at you, Keeping your integrity is a key thing. The next word that he talks about is peace-loving, all right? A wise person never antagonizes. Uh, wise people are peacemakers, not troublemakers, all right? This means no egging, no pushing buttons, all right? I had a friend in high school. His name was Dave. He had a little sister. Dave was a runner. And even in the late 70s, what runners would, would wear to run, you know, was out there. And his little sister all the time would be like, hey, Dave, what you're wearing makes you look gay. Hey, Dave, your hair is stupid. Hey, Dave. And she would just constantly, you know what she was doing? She was trying to get Dave to the point where Dave would hit her so that she could then go, mom, and then Dave would get in trouble. She was antagonizing her brother. <laughs> Some of you are like, preach. Because <laughs> you were the antagonizer or you were the antagonized. <laughs> okay. We antagonize all the time in America. We do it three ways. We do it by comparing. Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? That's antagonizing when you do that. It's only going to make them mad and want to bite you, okay? <laughs> um, we do it through condemning. You must. You always. You should. You never. You need to. Um, uh, Rick Warren talks about the fact that uh, husbands have a battle on the inside all the time. If you're a man, you're constantly battling your conscience. You're always aware of what you should do and that you're not doing. You're always aware of what you're doing that you shouldn't do. And you've got this battle going on all the time. And when your girlfriend or your wife all of a sudden voices, you should, you should, you ought to, you always, you never, all of a sudden, instead of battling your inside, you've got a new opponent. <laughs> and all that angst that you're feeling is now going to be directed at her because she's now verbalized all the stuff that's tearing you up on the inside. And when I first heard him say that, I was like, well, that, and then I thought about it, and I was like, well, yeah, I could, I've walked down, I've opened that door with Jenny many times, where she said the truth, but because I've already got inter, inner turmoil over it, and it's not yet fully resolved, all of a sudden, boom, she's catching it. She's like, whoa, I was just pointing out something that was true. Yes, but <laughs> it's antagonizing, okay? So, comparing is a bad way. Condemning is a bad way. Contradicting, you know people, you don't feel that way. Well, that's not true. Well, I read, right? <laughs> that's antagonizing. When stuff is coming at you, if you do the comparing, condemning, con contradicting thing, it burns. It's going to make it worse again, okay? So you can be right. What I'm saying is you can be right about everything and live a solitary life. <laughs> or you can value peace and play with others, okay? So it's kind of... The other word there is gentle, right? Pure, peace-loving, gentle. A wise person never minimizes what the other person is feeling. The synonym for gentle is 
considerate. Consideration, mindful of other people's feelings. Um, and you got to know why they're feeling irritated. Guys, if you've got a lady and your wife and she looks in the mirror and she says, I feel ugly, and you say to her, well, no, you're not, or no, you don't, ding, <laughs> you've just opened the door for chaos, okay? A wise man will say, well, what, what's making you feel that way today? Ding, now you, you, you can go somewhere because you've actually opened the door. You're taking consideration to the feelings, okay? So people, here's the thing. People will say all kinds of things they don't mean. People do it all the time. I do it. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> okay, people say, they lie. They just, let's, people are liars. Okay, so they say stuff all the time, but they feel what they feel. And if you can get to what they're feeling and show consideration to that, boom, that's a game changer in relationships. A lot of the times, the people that are stepping on your toes and, you know, hurting you and all this other stuff, it's because they're hurt. Did you, did you know that hurt people hurt others? Did you know that? This is like gospel truth. I'm telling you, if you're a Pentecostal, you'd be tickling Jesus right now. I'm just hurt people hurt. Hurt people hurt. They do. Um, I remember in seminary, uh, one of the first classes on, you know, congregational care, the, the guy stood up and he goes, just want you to know that you're the shepherd, congregation's the sheep, but you need to know sheep bite. <laughs> first, thing, first thing out of the guy's mouth, I was like, yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> I've lost some fingers, okay? So, so a gentle, a wise person never minimizes the feelings of others. So here's ways that we minimize their feelings. We, you shouldn't feel that way. We shouldn't feel that way, being dismissive. Or if you really want to see how fast they can throw an object at you, play armchair psychologist. Well, you know, the reason you feel that way is because your dad. <laughs> Just start doing those things in relationships and try and diagnose them, you know, psychologically and watch it come at you. You'll need to learn to duck really fast, you know, whoa. Okay, so armchair psychologist is a guaranteed trip to the ER because, you know, if they're good aims and fast, okay? So a gentle person or a wise person never minimizes the other people's feelings, okay? The next word in there is willing to yield, willing to yield. A wise person never criticizes other people's suggestions, opinions. They're open to reason. They're open to correction. They're willing to listen. Even the people in your life that are driving you nuts are sometimes right when they're saying something. So are you open? Are you open to that kind of correction? Are you open to what they're having to say? Can you listen? Can you learn? That's willing, willing to yield. The last thing in this section is, uh, oh wait, we've got full of, my, my bad, full of mercy. Full of mercy. A wise person uh, does not emphasize mistakes. Full of mercy. You, I can't tell you how many, like in marriage land, you can be, you know, merciful husbands and wives have better marriages than unmerciful husbands and wives. If, if, in the context of the relationship, you're always bringing up, well, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you know, you messed up here, ding, 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 and there's the list, and there's always the list, and you're bringing it to their attention because they need to know this. Um, it burns, okay? It, <laughs> it's going to come back at you, okay? So a wise person doesn't emphasize mistakes. It's wise to cut people slack when they mess up. And we know this because, right, judgmental churches tend to be empty, 
judgmental parents that have adult children are always complaining because the kids never come home to visit or call. Like this plays out in a myriad number of ways. So judgmentalism is if you've got people in your life you don't want around anymore, just start judging them regularly. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll self-select and, you know, take themselves someplace else. The last thing in this, you see what I mean about the passages in the letters just being packed full of stuff? This is like, this is like number six, and it's in one verse. Yeah. Okay, but again, the big picture is how you and I respond. If we're using true wisdom or false wisdom, it makes it better or it makes it worse. Right? And that's the big... So the last thing here is sincere. A wise person never fakes it. Okay? Um, I, I do suffer from emotional... Uh, what's it called? Unawareness. So I'm not always aware of what I'm feeling. It takes me a while. But I've learned in my marriage with Jenny, if I'm... If I... Well, I'm not feeling that. That's always a door that goes to a bad place. <laughs> like denying what I actually feel. It's never good. It's, but don't fake it. Just, you know, you be you. Be authentic. Be genuine. Be upfront. But don't fake it. The, in the, the Greeks, the word used here is the word where we get hypocrite from. So a hypocrite in Greek theater was an actor who would don a mask and go out and wear this mask. And they were called hypocrites. So we, the, uh, the word where we get hypocrite from actually means to wear a mask, to pretend to be someone you're not. Um, and so faking it in relationships won't bring about peace. Um, so I say that to say you're, at the end of the day, your body language will always rot you, rat you out anyway. Okay, so just be you, all right? Again, chaos in relationships is tied to ego. Wise people know this and are considerate of others. And I've just shared six ways from what James has to say to this early group of Christians about things wise people never do, right? So when people are hurtful, when they're self-centered, when they're inconsiderate, when they're downright mean to you, you can't control how that makes you feel. You feel what you feel. You want to rip their head off and stomp on it until the blood's all drained out, right? Okay? That's natural. That's normal. We can't control our feelings, but we can, right? We can control what we do and say. And what we do and say can, can do one of two things. I like to think of it when somebody hurts me, when somebody's not considerate of me, what they're doing is they're lighting a uh, pile of oil-soaked rags and throwing it into my lap. It burns. It hurts. Now, if I pour gasoline on that flaming pile of oil-soaked rags... I'm going to burn more. <laughs> if I pour water on it, it's going to be less, okay? So our response is like water and gasoline. In these relationships, in these settings, we can either add gas to it or water, okay? So um, here's some questions, right? In light of this passage, in light of the fact that people step on your toes, that they do things they shouldn't, in light of the fact that people are morons, Am I using gasoline or water? In those situations, when somebody steps on my toes, am I like, all right, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> or am I making it smaller? Like, what, what's my contribution in this? What does this person want or need? This is huge. If you know, if you can articulate this, that's a game changer. Or even more, what is this person feeling? You can articulate that. That's a game changer. 
Because a lot of times, they're just doing what they do because they feel a certain way or because they have a want or a need that's not being met. So in the two weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, our washing machine started to go on the fritz. Uh, it was making, when it would go into the spin cycle, it would go, you know, and you knew, that's bad. And then three days before Christmas, in addition to doing the, it just, all this water came out from underneath it. Which again, those two, like those two things together usually mean death is imminent <laughs> if you're a washing machine. Well, all right, Aaliyah, it just went. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> she knows that word. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so the washing machine was doing those two things. Now, my mother-in-law was there, and my mother-in-law says to me, I want to get you, I want to treat, I'm gonna, I want to scholarship a washing machine. I want to buy you a washing machine. Could, would you go with me and get it? Now, this is Christmas Eve day. What I wanted to do was kick back and read a book and just kind of, you know, be chillaxed. And she was coming at me at full force. You know, what? And so in that moment, right, I had gasoline and water. Because, you know, and I, I took a deep breath because I knew this series was coming up. <laughs> And I was, so I started asking questions. And you know what I found out? I found out two things. I found out, one, my mother-in-law had a load of laundry she wanted to get done before she left for Minnesota, which apparently was worth $800. And secondly, <laughs> secondly, she actually did want to help in that practical way and knew because of their travel schedule, if it wasn't going to happen right then and there, it just wasn't going to happen. So I thought, okay, here we go. And we did. I got into the church truck. We drove to like two different lows, and it was an adventure because, and it worked out great. And you know what? I have an extra high-capacity washer now that I didn't have to pay for because I used water and not gasoline, okay? So I'm saying this is how this plays out. Now, teenagers, if you're a teenager, I want to tell you something. People are complicated, okay? People are complicated. They say things they don't mean. They're not always sure of what they want. But if you will show consideration, you can make things more peaceful and less explosive. But if you want your life to be hard, if you want your life to be hard, do the six things that Rick Warren says never to do. Just lie all the time. Go for it. Um, antagonize, belittle people, tell them they're not really feeling what they feel, interrupt them all the time, just go for it big time, minimize other people's feelings, criticize their opinions, oh, that's wrong, that's stupid, I read that, you know, just go, be judgmental, be a hypocrite, like, if you do all those six things, here's the deal, over time, you will find that there is not a man or a woman that will have you for very long, you will find that people that used to be your friends are like not answering the phone when you call, when you do this at the job place, your coworkers will rat you out and send you to the gallows with the boss just to get rid of you, <laughs> okay? Because, but again, I just wanted to make sure you knew that you can, if you want to totally self-destruct it, you, you could do that. Here's the thing. Uh, one of the ironies of the Christian life is that we gain life by giving it away. When you treat others the way you want to be treated, it leads to blessing. So here's the question, the homework assignment for the week. Did I make it better or did I make it worse? You're going to be in situations where stuff comes at you. Did you make it better or did you make it worse? Here's why this is important. At the very end of this passage, James says this. 
Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Did you know that the, the James is writing from a Jewish perspective? And even though the Greek word irene is used, what he has in mind is the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom means whole, healthy, complete. Would you like to have relationships that are characterized by wholeness, health, <laughs> completeness? Yes, you would. That's blessing. That's blessing. When I was an elementary school janitor, I learned this the hard way through other men. I was in a building where I was one of three men who worked in a building full of women. And I would watch when the principal and the PE teacher, the other two men in the building, would come to the janitor's closet to hide. They were not hiding from the children. They were hiding from the teachers and assistants who were about ready to lynch them. For, you know, the number one complaint? You don't listen. You don't listen. So after they came into my janitor closet, after the umpteenth time, I thought to myself, I'm just going to start listening to teachers. <laughs> that, that looks painful. I do not want to spend the rest of my life in the janitor closet. <laughs> okay? So I just started asking teachers. And you know, I found out that one of the biggest things that was frustrating them were chairs. They had chairs. Chairs have feet to them, these little things on the bottom. And in an elementary school, typically every chair only has two or three of the feet so that the ADD kid is doing this the whole class. And teachers are ready to kill those students. So I found that out, and I called central office, and I wanted a chair feet kit. And the guy told me, sir, we haven't used that one of those in over 20 years. And that told me something about our school district right then and there. I said, well, we're going to get one now, okay? We're going to get one now. So I started putting in chair feet on my downtimes during the day. When I quit that job, those teachers threw me a retirement party. <laughs> I was like 25, 28 years old. And they threw me this huge retirement party, and they were crying, and they were... And one of the older teachers, she, uh, this is what she said, you know, you are the first man to come into this building who actually took the time to listen. When you and I are considerate of others, it brings about shalom. You want shalom in your life.